0: Mindset Athlete Podcast and I'm your host James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness which is an online training nutrition and mindset coaching business. First of all I'd like to thank Lauren Williams for suggesting this quote to the show. An athlete is a mindset, it's how you prepare, think and execute. Not because of some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. By Chris Harth. And each week on the Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you, inspirational athletes, a message or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Matt Zinman. And on today's show, I've got Thane Marcus-Ringler. Thane is a former professional golfer turned speaker, writer, and development coach living in Denver, Colorado with his his wife, Ivan. In his current work, Thane's mission is to help others live and work better. He is passionate about speaking to the journey from the journey, and is striving to empower this generation to take ownership of their lives and never settle for less than they are capable of. Thane is also the host of the Up and Comers Show, a podcast all about the process of becoming and living with intentional, and living with intentional, intention, I can't read the word, intentionality while sharing stories from others, from other inspiring up and comers along the way. So welcome onto the show, Thane
1: thanks for having me James That's a tough word intentionality i have said it enough to where it flows, but man it, it can get choppy so I hear you on that
0: <laughs> is it a is it a real word though
1: it is yeah so intentionality um it's uh doing something with intention is really what it means and intention itself is a purpose or a reason why behind what we do um so Living with intentionality means that we are living, uh, with infusing a purpose or a reason why behind what we're doing on a daily momentary basis, uh, which takes effort and, um, intention ultimately. It's a discipline, I think.
0: What, what, what separates it from intention then? That's more intentionality.
1: Like yeah. yeah. So it's like, um, I guess I don't know if I could describe that that well, but intentionality is a different form of the word, meaning it's um I guess I'm not great on grammar here, but I'm guessing it's an adjective um versus intention itself being um uh, more of a verb or a noun. I'm not sure it's a different form of the word to where it's a different part of the sentence structure. And uh, this is past my pay grade in in English here. We'll but... leave
0: it up to the grammar police then. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I've I've gone away, and you and I and I have discussed probably at length or uh, over no, mo- multiple email conversations. And I went away and looked at your Instagram uh, feed, and I, I'm I'm, in, I'm very much in awe of the hope that you're trying to bring to the world. So, talk to me about obviously the journey from going from being a professional golfer, because people are going to put you on a, a pedestal uh, of the likes of you know Tiger Woods and 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 people have lots and lots of wealth, to wanting to get into to speaking and ultimately writing books.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, just to give people, um, a little context too on, on my heart in that. I love this quote by Bill Simon who said, I was born on third base and thought I hit a triple. And really that's to say that, you know, I was given more opportunities, um, that I can't take credit for than other people were. And so I, my whole goal in my life has been to, um, be responsible and take ownership for what I've been given and do the best that I can with that. Um, So I can only take half credit if that to to a lot of those things. And with golf, you know, being a professional golfer, um, like any uh, endeavor at a high level, as you know, with athletics, uh, it's not as glamorous, it's not as sexy, it's not as great as everyone imagines it to be. It's very challenging, difficult. And usually you experience way more failure than you do success, Uh, especially in a golf tournament. Most golf tournaments have upwards of 120 to 150 guys playing in it. And in that, uh, two thirds of the field doesn't make the cut, meaning they don't play the weekend and they don't get a paycheck. And so, you know, you're looking at 80 guys going home after two days and maybe 50 to 60 guys playing the weekend. Um, and then, you know, there's only one winner. (laughs) The rest are, you know, behind that. So, um, I think any endeavor like that entails a lot of failing. And really, you know, my career itself was a quote unquote failure in that I didn't reach the PGA Tour, I didn't get the card, I didn't get to the level that I really wanted to. Uh, I had a, uh, about four years where I played in the last year and a half, I had a muscle strain that repeated about five times every year and a half. And that was a really um, frustrating, difficult journey of discovering the body, trying to solve the problem of the body. And through that, God really redirected a lot of my passions and, and intention and purpose in life to where I, I thought I could be more effective outside the world of golf than within it. I I wasn't a golf nerd by any means. I wasn't a golf fanatic. I was a competitor. I loved competing and I loved the sport of golf. And that was the main outlet for my competition. But when it came to what I really felt called to in the world, I felt um, that I had instilled these habits, these disciplines, these mindsets into myself in pursuing this this endeavor in this sport that I thought could really be beneficial to other people in their lives, um, just as much as it had been really beneficial to me in my life. Um, and, and so that really kind of kicked off the journey of entrepreneurship post-athletics. And by no means is it a a clean, straight path. It's a wandering, meandering road. Uh, that, again, entails a lot of failures, learning what not to do before you learn what to do. Um, so that's really been a big part of my story so far and will continue to be, hopefully, my entire life.
0: Why do you think people have these presumptions, and And, and this is ultimately where, where I, why I asked you that question initially, why do people have this kind of rose-tinted observation of golf?
1: You know, I think it's true of anything that we see the pinnacle of, yet we only see one fraction, a percentage of what that actually entails. So it doesn't really matter what sport it is, but if we focus on golf, you know, some people may connect more with basketball, but if you look at basketball and you see right now when we're recording this, NBA finals are going on. And and if you watch these guys in the NBA finals, you're like, I want to do that one day. This is so inspiring. They make it look so easy. They're so amazing at what they do but they don't realize like that 99% of what it took to get there. We have zero perspective or idea on. And that 1% that we think we know isn't exactly what we know that it took to get them all the practice, all the hours, all the travel, all the, um, crazy schedules, all of the dedication and discipline, all the things that they had to say no to in order to say yes to that pursuit. Same is true in golf. You know, when you look at, um, uh, when you watch golf on a Sunday, you're seeing the final round and you're seeing the best players playing their best. So what what you don't realize is that, again, the, on Sunday, there's a lot of guys who are playing bad that aren't even ever being seen on TV because they just are having a bad day and they aren't near the leaderboard. Um And so you don't see the experience of those guys. Uh, you don't see the experience of the guys who missed the cut that aren't even playing anymore. And you don't realize that um, Monday morning or Sunday night after the whole thing's done, they're hopping on a plane, they're traveling the next one, they're waking up on Monday, they have three or four days to practice and prepare to get ready for the next tournament, and they're grinding, they're out there working on their game, they're trying to fix things, and they're not at home or in their community or with their family, and it you know there's exceptions to all of that, but the main point is that it's a long, grueling road to get there, and even when you're there at the top, it's extremely hard to stay there. And it takes a ton of work. Uh, You know, the 10,000 hour rule that everyone likes to claim that Malcolm Gladwell kind of made famous is just the simple idea that the amount of the quantity of practice and effort it takes to get to that level is uh, insurmountable in a lot of ways. It takes a ton. But equally true to that, it takes a ton to stay there. You don't just like get to the top of the mountain and coast. You have to keep climbing to maintain that um, skill level. Uh, and so I think, uh like anything, whenever we see pictures of success, we all inwardly long for that. We're like, man, I want to do that. I want to be there. I want to be in that element. At least for me, whenever I watch any sports or any performance, I'm like, it inspires me and I want to do that. And a lot of times our naivete says, if only I could just practice a little bit and I could get there. And it's never that simple. <laughs> um, so I I just I think for us all to just, you know, be more realistic uh, in the amount of time and effort it takes to get there, it's helpful for us to see that the grass isn't always greener on the other side of the fence. It's greener where we water it. So we kind of need to water where we're at if we want our grass to be green too.
0: I feel like this quote that I've seen from uh, a former NFL player who's gone into to to coaching as well. He put it as, you know, the grass is greener on the always on the other side. That grass is artificial turf. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's
1: really good. I'm gonna use that one.
0: (sighs) But how do how do you stay hopeful when obviously you've got all those insurmountable failures or roadblocks in your way to, to ascertain even reaching the PGA tour, which you, you, you obviously said you, you, you didn't, that was probably yeah. the aspiration uh, growing up to make the tour. How do you stay hopeful when all those things kind of fall by the wayside?
1: Totally. You know, I, I think understanding there's the, the reason why I just recently wrote a book on hope is because I think hope is something that's always readily available and present for for all of us, if we just would look for it, if we would reframe our perspective to find it. Um, one of the most hopeful things is the reality that, um, failure isn't fatal and failure isn't final. The thing that, that we think is a failure is just a stepping stone to success. It's what helps us get to the place we want to be. Um, and, and we look at it as this obstacle or this dead end or this thing that, that um, Dooms us. It, it spells doom for us a lot of times because we attach our identity to what we do instead of who we are. But in reframing that and seeing that, look, everyone is on a journey and the fact that we're moving forward on this journey entails having obstacles and hurdles and setbacks and things that are going to be hard to overcome. And so for me, it's to get it more personal in the journey of golf, you know, uh, for me, I had the talent and skill to do. I, I had a lot of natural ability, but what held me back was my mind, was the mental component. Um, and I, I, I experienced a lot of dead ends in my mind of the way I thought about things, but each process of that was a progression to where I got to deeper and deeper levels of self-awareness to where I could start learning more of how my mind operated to where it started out as when I first turned professional, I was looking to every other player for their blueprint for success, saying, what are they doing? And how can I copy or mimic it so I can be successful too? When in reality, I need to be looking at myself and saying, how do I best operate? How do I best perform? And what are the things that I need to to maximize my performance. And so it took me six months plus to really realize that I'm I'm banging my head against the wall here by just trying to copy others. And I need to start learning myself better so that I can maximize and optimize myself. And so that was like the first uh, progression of failure in that sense of saying, okay, I'm keeping failing, failing, failing. But that failure was instructing me of what I was doing wrong. It just took me at the pausing and figuring out what is this within my mind, the way I'm thinking about this, the way I'm approaching it that isn't working? And then I got to change and iterate and start working on, OK, how do I develop my system for success? Um, and, and then again, this is a never ending process. And the, I think I think we get um, uh, the thing where we get wrong is thinking that there is a point of arrival uh, in that once we get to a certain point, we've arrived and we can just coast or stop learning or um, don't have to put in the work anymore. And by reframing and understanding that point never happens, that we always have to put in the work and then we're always going to have to keep learning to keep growing. There's always a chance for that. That gives us hope by saying, oh, I'm not playing for a destination. I'm playing for the process of getting there that will continue. And by enjoying that process, then I can find hope in the process by saying that the point isn't the destination. The point is the journey. And that's where the real fruit comes from. So that's just one of the perspectives that I found, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of these that we can find in our lives that fill us with hope. And hope is a thing that really gives us that drive, that energy to keep going, even when it's dire, even when it's hard, even when we don't feel, especially when we don't feel like it.
0: Do you think having that kind of mindset keeps you grounded and ultimately it keeps you that inner peace and that inner sense of keeping that flame burning inside you because obviously what you alluded to is a lot of people when they think about arriving at a journey they're using a lot of external motivators be it social media Mm. comparing themselves to other people i must take aspects of other people or other players if we use the sporting context to be able to Sculpt my game around, take, take or would we'll you use the NBA Finals, take elements of LeBron James, AD, uh, Jimmy Butler, and then thus either build this juggernaut or mould it in a way that suits our style of play. But I like what you, you echoed there of, well, that it, you kind of lose sight of what's more important is that's, and this is probably... I won't generalise, I will use me because I did it, is you lose sight of the process and you thus probably get away from what what was passion at the mm-hmm. very instances at the very beginning as a kid and it becomes a job because sport becomes a job and obviously most people when you get there, they either hate it or want to quit. And I think what you echoed there of looking internally I'm trying to find what actually drives you and, you know, keeps that, that engine turning over or to use an anecdote of, you know, the stove cooking, I think is, is, is ultimately is, is hope and reinventing yourself time after time. Cause there's, there's no in that, in that's well, going to be difficult to say in night ways in which you can recreate yourself because as human beings we do that daily
1: Mm. that's a really good word you know and i i want to also say that with that uh, no single person is the center of the universe (laughs) so you know by us putting uh, this achievement of like winning the nba finals as what is the ultimate purpose of my life It it puts ourselves at the center of the universe. Now, we need to have goals. We need to have things we push for. We need to have things, motivators that drive us that are external. Those are useful things. Uh, Those aren't bad. It's just that when we start becoming the most important person in the universe and the world revolves around us, then we're going to end up at a place that we never expected. We're going to end up at what we thought we wanted, and it's going to be the last thing we wanted because we're going to lack the fulfillment that we expected that thing to bring. Um, And and that's the whole point of like what you just mentioned with understanding the journey is it connects us to each other and says, look, I'm pursuing this not just for myself, but but also to inspire others, but also to further the game, but also to to have a voice to speak into things that I really care about what you know, you can fill in the blank with a lot, but. All those speak to a greater purpose beyond just myself and i think that there's always hope when we realize that we're a part of a collective we're a part of the greater humanity and that we're not above or below our fellow humans we're on the same playing field and because of that we get to use our goals and our motivations and our tasks to not only further our own desires or careers or goals but also impact others in the world for good and that's where you know, that hope can be then limitless in a lot of times. We have all we're always hope filled because there's always potential to do that.
0: I think I don't know if Disney meant to do this, but uh and when you're talking, it come to mind uh one of the it's not a quote, but one of the sayings in uh, cool Runnings: the films, peace be the journey, whatever that means. It might mean it might mean something to the Jamaicans, uh, and obviously let let me know what it actually if it actually means anything. Ultimately, there's a lot of anecdotes in in you know it's not technically a true story because I spoke to one of the guys who were in the in the Jamaican team. Uh, Was their story would actually they need to make the remake. Because I think it had more impact on people because mm. the things, the amount of failures that they went through just to get on the start line was incredible. And, yeah. and I think obviously films you, use, uh, dramatic, dramatization and, you know, storytelling to infatuate, um, stories to make them be a little bit more empowering. The other one is mm. the, the movie Rudy. Of, mm. and ultimately some of those things weren't true, but obviously they take, uh, film licensing to be able to kind of blow things out a little bit of a proportion, but I kind of blow, blow smoke on it. But I think so we don't go off too much of a tangent. I think it's, it's remembering the, the piece, piece piece, the, piece be the journey, how I would interpret it. Is ultimately you, you enjoy the journey.
1: It is, yeah. And and when you can when you can reframe and re, reshape our perspective to where it's enjoying the journey, then every day is an awesome opportunity because every day is a part of the journey. And when we realize that progress doesn't happen in giant leaps but in baby steps, then we can really hone in on. Oh, okay. I'm not trying to jump to the 10th step today. I'm just trying to take the next step. And then the the following day, I'm going to take the next step. And, you know, in 10 days, I'll, I'll reach that 10th step. And that's actually better for me than if I was just to jump to the 10th step. Because if, if we just jump, we try to take a shortcut or cheat the system or get to a place that we haven't necessarily, uh, um, earned (laughs) or achieved then we're not going to be ready to be at that place anyways. The process is what prepares us for that 10th step anyways. So if we skip the process, then we're going to end up at the 10th step and it'll be even more of a colossal failure than it was in the first place because we didn't uh, develop our way into that position. Uh, and so I think this whole idea that progress happens in baby steps and um, that every day we have an ability to take the next step, it frees us up to not have to figure out I think a lot of times we put so much pressure on ourselves that I need to figure out what that big 10th step place is and, and make sure that that's perfect and exactly what I want before I start moving. But we really figure out that place by moving. So, so we kind of have it flip flopped. We need to, we need to just take that step that's in front of us, uh, whatever that next action item or that next goal or the next thing that we know we need to do, but we're slacking on because we haven't figured out the 10th step. Well, by taking that next step, we will better figure out the 10th step. And it'll always be different than what we expect.
0: I think what ultimately with that thing is people have a choice. It's, well, do you seek perfect, perfectionism or do you seek perfect, uh, procrastination? One in themselves is exactly the same thing. Uh, ultimately, you're is still. Um, so ultimately, for athletes, you, you may deem to reach for perfectionism but you you if your goal deviates from that okay i'm going a different way it's all stems from performance base okay we're going to go a different way whereas like maybe with the general populace which i know some people will listen to this that's also a choice it's okay to go on a different path it's it's if it's meant to be it's okay to turn left if you thought you were going to turn right it's it's okay don't 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 sit there and ponder, let the traffic build up behind you. And, you know, you're going to have those people beeping their horns. It's okay to turn left. Uh, take that decision, pull that trigger. Don't, don't be that, that person or aim, aim. I need to hit the target, Sh- shoot and then see what happens. And then look at the consequences there and after. Then you've made a decision. Uh, and ultimately. go back to your teenage years of taking the consequences uh of your actions and then acting accordingly. But I think if you just sit there and wait, obviously the world's not gonna not gonna wait for you to make a decision. It's gonna pass you by. And you'll be still standing still and kinda happen and, and kinda pondering what happened. What why is everybody so much further ahead than I am? It's because you've not made a decision.
1: Yeah, Millard Fuller has one of my favorite quotes. He says, uh, "It's a lot easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting." <laughs> uh, and you know, it's it. We learn by doing, not by thinking. Uh, thinking can be helpful and in informing what we're doing, but we don't learn. We learn by experience. I, there's another quote. I think um, Whitney Hurd uh, said, "The most." expensive currency in the world is experience um, and it, it's the thing that really instructs us it's the thing that really makes us believe in these words that we're saying you know what we say here on the podcast when you hear it you know it's it's a cool thing to put in the mind to remember to think about but it doesn't really become real or we don't really believe it until we start acting on it until we actually have experience that informs what we're saying or that what we're thinking or that what we're believing is is ultimately fueled by our experience
0: well, it's execution at the end of the day it's uh i've spoke to countless could be bonnie donnie boven talked said to me and he was calling even though it was he was the guest he was talking directly to me in terms of for every athlete you're comfortable in that pool that is athleticism. Once you step out of it and go into, okay, we'll use entrepreneurship because you and I are both in it or business. We think that some of those tangibles are not, you can't take over into the other, but we can do. It's just that certain aspects of your character traits are socially not acceptable. It's not that they're bad it's society doesn't want them to be it, to use be it, you know competition is deemed as bad i would argue that's more likely to be the problem is com- comparison you comparing to i don't know somebody off reality television i want to aspire to have what they have okay you want to be front and center in front of the, te- the, the television okay that's nice it's so at surface level I don't particularly want a camera following me around 24 seven and you can't be able to say what you want. And ultimately with a TV program, they're going to cut bits out to suit themselves. So they're going to change the narrative to, to suit the means to be able to, to sell a product. So I'll be it for our example sake. Jersey Shore is very good at the, you know, take a snippet mm-hmm. here. That is the 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 prologue to the program. So you want to tune in because I want to see a bust. I want to see a little little bit of, a, well, a domestic gone wrong almost, because they almost go to blows almost on every episode for every series. But people like that because, for it, either makes them feel better about themselves in one sentence or. I can kind of watch this program and really forget about my problems because it's, it's so easy to be able to just kick back and relax uh, and take it all in. It doesn't take a lot of thinking to be able to take those programs in.
1: Yep. And, and I think, I I think, you know, that's one of the, the things that we need to be cautious of all of us, myself, yourself, everyone listening, um, in our modern society, is uh, how much we are consuming. How much are we consuming uh, or being fed versus striving to learn through experience or through the hard process of learning? Learning is not easy. Consuming is really easy. There's a big difference. And so when we're consuming, we're being fed narratives, we're being fed lifestyles, we're being fed ideas that we're not even aware of and they're implanting in our subconscious versus when we're learning, we're consciously making effort to make new pathways within our brain. Um, and again, learning is way more valuable than consuming. It's not saying that all consumption is bad, but um, you have to be conscious of what you're consuming for it to be helpful. Um, a lot of times or else it won't be dictated by us and, and what you're speaking to even with shows or, or what we're watching. It's easy. It's it's uh, I like to talk about as humans, we default to the path of least resistance. That's our default setting. So with the rivers going downstream, we're going to be going with it, you know, and we're going to, that's our default. To go upstream, it takes effort and intention, which is ultimately discipline. And that means we make a choice. I'm going to go upstream. Now I have to put effort in to start going upstream. <laughs> and, um, and, and really, we're going to be benefited so much more by going upstream than by just going downstream and floating or coasting through life, because as the law of entropy is, you know, it's, if you're coasting or floating, you're going down, you're actually decaying, you're, you're getting, you're, you're, you're going the opposite way <laughs> you want to go. Um, And so we we really have to live lives of discipline. And when we're, what we're consuming uh, is getting more and more addicting in it, the technology companies, these TV com- companies, all of them are really good at addicting us to that platform, to that network, to that whatever it is, so that, like you said, they can make more money. That's the bottom line. There's a business behind these platforms and behind these products that most of the time we're not aware of. And I think The Social Dilemma is a documentary that does a good job of breaking that down just to give people a better idea of kind of behind the scenes on some of these platforms. Um, And it's not to, again, say that they are, if you use them, they are bad. It's just to say that we need to have Intention. We need to have consciousness behind what we're doing so that we can determine whether that's what we want or not. Cause a lot of times we aren't determining it for ourselves.
0: Well, what, what one of my clients brought to me to, to the table about that, you know, the consumerism, he, he talked of it as, you know, that what two company or two industries use users as their they're ultimately they're selling to the tech industry and the drug industry. So I think people need to take a uh, conscious think of what I've just said uh, and, and what you've echoed uh, and think, well, are you a, a user of, of, of social media in, in a negative way because ultimately uh, nobody wants to have the negative connotations of a junkie or uh, a drug pusher associated themselves when it comes to, something that they're consuming and people through no fault of their own can be led astray. The other is probably when it comes to nutrition. Most people are led astray by advertisement or commercials or certain you know celebrities and endorsements. It's like, well okay, if this person deems that they support this product i must follow my the it's like well did this is where people need to take a reality check do they really need to take this product or or is it an endorsement deal and thus they would never touch it with a barge pole
1: big difference like you said and uh, you know uh, I think, uh, I actually wrote a blog post a year or two ago, I think called, um, there are no free lunches. And, and the whole point is like everything has a cost. Every single thing has a cost. And if you're not paying in dollars, you're paying in something else. And so like, if you look at social media platforms, why are they free? Because you're paying in data and advertisements, like they are selling you things that you're not even aware of a lot of times. And so those are those are costs, those are real costs that we're paying, we're just not as aware of it as a dollar that we pay. Um, similarly, if we pay a dollar for a bag of potato chips, um, the cost of eating those is going to have a toll on our body that isn't as helpful as paying $5 for a chicken breast. I don't know, you know, like you can, you can, you can play however you want, but this idea that everything has a cost helps us understand that there are no free lunches in life. And that, like you said earlier, by, by not doing anything, there's a cost to that. Right. Just as much as by doing something, there's a cost of maybe having it be a failure, maybe messing up or maybe pick, picking the wrong path or having to change paths. There's a cost in that sense and it takes effort. But by not doing something, there's a cost of what we missed out on if we did something or of not actually making any progress at all, whether or not it be in the right direction. So the, I think understanding that everything has a cost is really, and we have to remind ourselves of that daily, you know. I'm, I'm by no means immune to this. I have to, I have to tell myself this a lot. It's preaching it to myself so I can remember because I'm a human just like everyone else. And if I default, I'm going to take that path of least resistance.
0: I think, I think it's only human nature. Like you say, we're all human beings, irrespective of you being, well, you're you're successful because you've got been able to use a platform from your sport. I'm the same. Other people might deem it unsuccessful I won't say failure because I won't go to that far to that extreme but it's it's a difference of opinion and also different in perspective as okay you might for whatever reason want to belittle my achievements to make yourself feel a little bit better about yourself that anybody with a right mind who's very very confident about themselves No, you're not, you're not taking me down to your level. If you want to stay in the gutter, that's fine by, and it's it's the same with, you know, trolling on social, on whatever social media platform it is. It's most of those individuals wouldn't have the guts or the balls to be able to say it to somebody's face, but because they feel a keyboard warrior-esque Bravado about themselves, be it male or female. Or I can write whatever I want and there's no consequences. Whereas, well, there is a consequence. There's another human being on the other end of that comment mm-hmm. that's got to be able to, well, the ones that say it's, they strive for, you know, like, I, I, I can't remember which. So I think it's Gary V said, I, I love seeing these things because I know I'm doing something right, but you think of how many people you know, further down the totem pole we'll take that as gospel. Okay. That person is saying whatever they want to me. Now I'm going to second guess myself and say, well, are they right? Have they got a little bit of substance about, and should I read into it a little bit more? Ultimately depend on what level of the totem pole are. If you're further down, okay. I'm going to start believing that because oh, there must be some truth because you haven't got the conviction yet. And I say that massively because it's, it's not something that no anybody's born with, you know, the conviction of confidence. Um, and I was reading a chapter uh, from Brendan Bouchard about, you know, the three C's to confidence is congruence. See if I can remember what the other two are. Connection and competence. There's nothing to do with confidence in that and those three things. And ultimately the connection is learning because you have a conversation like you or I have done and we're learning from each other. It widens your perspective, uh, to different ways of thinking
1: definitely you know and and i definitely relate to some of what you just said too in that you know i've, I've re- i remember when i received one of my first um not hate comments but you know like i guess like kind of a mean virtual comments online of of a blog post i had done and you know it hurt it affected me it it was hard to deal with right cuz then you're like wow is that true who is this person What do you think? Like, what what do they think of me? Am I doing something wrong? All these thoughts that are—it's very human, right? And the more that we get those, the more that we're able to process those better. Like Gary Vee, for example. Did you?
0: Did you go in? Did you go into a thing? Did you go to this is spa a moment then?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I went ape on him. No, I. You know, it's one of those things. Like, I I did have to talk to someone else about. I had to get like, look, this happened, like you know that's just kind of weird right you know to get more confirmation in, and i think this idea you know today every with technology and the internet we can have and we're we're supposed to have opinions about everything which just isn't realistic and um we want to make comments on things that we're fifth or 10 steps removed from so we don't really have good data or actual experience to know an opinion either way um but but this idea that um Not while all voices are created equal, not all voices should be given equal footing in your life. And so this is discernment. This is discernment one on one. Like if someone doesn't know me personally and doesn't see my life or my actions or my character, who I am, what they say about me virtually, I'm not going to really take that much notice of because I don't think that's helpful. I just don't, they don't know me. I don't know them. And, and, you know, likewise, like if, if we're, if someone is making a lot of hurtful or hateful comments online, you know, we all hurt others out of our own hurt. And so there's something that they've been hurt by and that they have gone through that's hard and sucky and painful. And I feel for them like, that's hard. I, if I had gone through that, maybe I'd be in that same place. And, and, you know, so just recognizing that we all have, hurt and pain that we're operating out of and that's how we end up hurting others most of the time can help us have more empathy for that but but this idea of discernment is like you just said is really huge and um, knowing what voices we listen to and what we don't
0: so how do we stay hopeful in obviously 2020 and going Mm -hmm. forward because we're only three months removed from being next year now
1: such a crazy time. You know, I, I am really actually hopeful about where we're at, meaning, and the reason why I say that is, you know, anytime there's something, uh, as chaotic and, um, challenging as things like COVID and then in America, like the political space we find ourselves in, I think those two things, um, they challenge us and through challenge, we grow. Uh, and I think that if we uh, zoom in, zoom in from the uh, external image of news outlets, uh, social media, and the narratives that are spun on both sides, we can better see that on the ground level in daily life I've actually found this time to be more unifying than separating. Believe it or not, like I think people on the daily life in human interactions, not virtually, but in daily life, are doing a better job of trying to care for each other, of trying to respect each other. And, you know, this thing like masks, there's a whole controversy over wearing masks with COVID. At the end of the day, wearing masks, the simplest thing about them is is being respectful. It's being respectful for others, whether you believe in them or not. By wearing them, you are respecting other people um, and respecting their health by trying to prevent um, the spread of something that we don't fully know about yet, you know, something like that. And, and so I think, um, by this challenge and by this, this increasing division, we have an opportunity to better see each other as humans and to grow in unity by saying, look, I love how my pastor recently put it too. He said, you know, unity is only possible through difference. If you don't have difference, there's no unity. That's uniformity. That's a big difference and there's no two people on this earth that are uniform. Every single person is unique and different. And that's a blessing, that's a beautiful thing and through that we get to pursue unity. Um and we need each other. Like my giftings or my unique experience isn't in competition to yours, it's in complementary. It's complement to yours, right? It's it's yours and mine combined fill two pieces of the puzzle, not just competing pieces, right? And we, and I think competition is good, but it's also understanding that we need each other. We need that competition that's healthy, but knowing that every single person is different and provides a unique aspect that can help the other. Um, it it helps us be more unified in, in healthy competition, even. Um, and so I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of beautiful things that can come from this, even though it's a really challenging. I don't want to undermine the challenge that people have faced um in all regards everybody has been affected by this to some degree um and, and i think that's also what's hopeful is that we all this isn't a singular thing we're all experiencing it in different ways which hopefully can lead to more empathy um and and relatability to each other um because you know i, I think about how i've grown as a man and as a person throughout my life i've always grown the most in the hardest times It's true. Like the things that have shaped me the most have been the hardest experiences of my life and they've made me who I am today. And so I think going through this year for all of us is going to be massively shaping. And I think in a great way, um, if we individually commit to that Uh, and it is an individual journey in that too.
0: I think I echo what you say, because ultimately people have a choice. It's uniformity. uh, If people haven't seen the movie, you know, Viva Vendetta, all the same, Mm. Uh, you know, people talk a good game of 2020's being been very much like the book 1984 or Animal Farm. And this is, this is obviously 20 years ago, I read that in high school, but ultimately th- these are extremes. These are Viva Vendetta is probably like a modern take on 1984, but you know, you've you've got all your scaremongers, or you know, mythbusters, saying well, it's all a hoax to get, get people under the thumb. It's like, Well, worldwide, I don't think so. May- maybe when it was a few countries here and there, you could spin that, but you know, people are gonna be in their own bubbles, their their own little fantasy lands, and. I know you got some of them people in the US. There's probably some. Of I know there's definitely people in the UK because it it went viral on Twitter a couple of weeks ago of people kind of saying we will not be put into lockdown again. But that's the disrespect for uh, other human beings, like you said, because ultimately, well, until it affects somebody close to you, you won't change the rhetoric. Then, which is. I think he's a bit barbaric. Mm
1: -hmm. And, you know, I, I think it's just foolish for any of us to say we know, right? Like to say we know what's helpful with COVID is just foolish. I mean, even the scientists studying this don't fully know and don't have Unified opinion, meaning it's a complex thing. <laughs> and I love this quote about it is for every, I, I can't remember who said it, but he said, uh, for every complex problem, there's a simple solution and it's always wrong. <laughs> you know, it's like we, we make these like the political sphere. We make these hugely complex issues into simple platforms or policies or whatever the running point is. And that's never the answer. It's never a simple solution. It's very complex. There's a lot of moving parts. And for us to think that one policy will change everything is just wrong. Uh, and same with COVID. For us to think that we individually know about this disease more than other people based on what we listen to versus what they listen to, we don't, we don't know. We're, we're being fed information. And it's good to be informed, but are we, do we, do we take that information as firsthand or 10th hand? Because it's really 10th hand information. (laughs) And so that firsthand information of the people that you're interacting with on a human level in daily life is what matters most, right? Is saying, yes, I can be informed on the 10th step or the 10th hand information online and news and all that. And that can shape some of how I think or work through the world for sure, but I want to be firsthand with people that I'm interacting with and making it more human because on this screen, even right now, we see each other, but we're not in person. It's a different thing. It's not the same as a face to face human to human interaction. Um, there's a different level that you get to, uh, and, and that's always going to be more helpful.
0: You think it's an obsession with that instant gratification? And, and ultimately, I don't mean like, I don't, I mean more at a deeper level than likes comments shares you think it's people want to have the information you know very much like amazon kind of thing i want it next day but obviously in more future sense of as in right here right
1: now yeah i think that's definitely a part of it i think the the bigger component would probably be control i think um you know humans crave for control and knowledge makes us feel like we're in control. And so, uh, this idea, you know, it's an, it's a fear based system, right? It's, it's fear saying, uh, what I care about is, um, safety, security, control and power. And when those are threatened, I'm operating out of fear and now I need to compete and, um, find a way to beat you to win, to conquer so that I don't have to worry about Safety, security, and comfort. I'm in control. Uh, and we're not, I don't believe we're designed or built to, to operate out of fear. I think fear is designed within us to, to help us survive, but these are not situations where we need to worry about survival. These are, are situations where we have different opinions. You know, it's like, okay. So, um, it, so I think operating out of love is saying that, um, I don't need to have fear. Over Whether I have control or not in this situation, because no one has control. Right. And and by having more information that doesn't make us more in control, that often makes us more fearful. (laughs) The more we know, the more we often become fearful because of of what could be or what could come of that. Um, and, it, and there's a great book by, uh, Nassim Tlaib, uh, anti and he does a great job of writing. He's got a handful of books that are all kind of on the r- lines of, we are horrible at predicting the future and we think we're actually okay at it. We think we're pretty good at it. And that makes us even worse because we're giving ourselves more confidence than we deserve in that. Um, and his whole point is we need to make ourselves anti-fragile, which means we need to. Make ourselves. This idea of anti-fragility basically says that when we think of the fragile, means um, you 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 shake a box and the things within it break, right? We think anti-fragile is you shake the box and things just stay the same. Well, that's durable. That's resilient. Anti-fragile is you shake the box and those things actually get better. They benefit from the shaking. And so his whole point: we need to, we need to be building within ourselves this anti-fragility that we actually benefit. We get stronger individually when things get shaken and and hard. We benefit from chaos. Um, because that, that's a lot of what we're experiencing right now is, is we're, we're experiencing more chaos than we have before. Our world is getting more shaken up and, and it's an opportunity to get stronger. Like, you know, when you were training as an athlete. You try to mix up your regimen. You don't do the same thing every day to get stronger. You want to mix it up and make it more versatile and, and be good at this situation. This is, you know, this environment, this, this movement. Um, and that ultimately makes you more stronger. Um, and so I think the same is true in what we're experiencing today. But well, how
0: do you, th- how do you bring love and unity into, especially the United States? Because as well, me being mixed race, my father's American and my mother's white. She's the, she's the divide worldwide as you know. It only takes one probably imbecile to create a race war.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's true. There's always. I think. I think. He, I, think uh, I don't have the answer, so I'll just say that. But here's what I'm thinking about with that right now. Um, we we can't control right when there's one imbecile. And we know that there's always going to be bad actors in any field, in any environment, in any country, in any history. There's always bad actors, just as much as there's good actors. And so we have individually a choice. Go back what you've been talking to a lot. We have a choice to, to, to choose how we're going to operate. And love and unity is really important because, um, you know, it's this idea that Uh, I I love, I'm a Christian, so that's a lot of what shapes my worldview. And in the Bible, God talks about it as human beings are two things. They're one, creating his image, meaning every human has divine worth and value, no matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter what you look like, no matter what you do, same divine worth and value. And then two, that we're all sinners, meaning we all fall short. We all mess up. We've all made mistakes. No one's perfect. And so because of those two things, our goal, our 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 benchmark should be to see every single human on the same level. Now, when we get prideful, we put ourselves on a level that's above others. We say, I'm better than, I'm greater than, I am above you. And then when we operate out of shame or guilt, we put ourselves, we self-deprecate we say, I'm, I'm horrible, I'm worse than, or even we we put other people on pedestals say, they're way better, I want to be like that person, we put them up there. So we're constantly trying to, to level ourselves with each other in that perspective and if we can fight for that that's going to help us a lot in that and in seeing each other as fellow humans on this journey and and we have to recognize and acknowledge the pain and hurt of the past and the things that have been harmful and the things that have devastated communities or people groups um and you know I, i love this idea of like recognizing but not feeling shame for it meaning um as a white man, right, right now in America, uh, it's often that, that um, it's easy for white males like me to feel shame over our country's heritage and where we're at now. And, and while I, I don't think that's super helpful, because shame usually doesn't keep us in, moving into action, usually it makes us feel worse in inaction. And so really, I think, as a white male, what I want to say is, while I'm not the cause of this problem, personally, I didn't cause this, I can be a part of the solution. It's not my individual fault, but it's our collective problem. So how are we collectively going to work on this? Um, and it frees us up to start moving and taking action on that. Um, and so there's there's different ways that we can think about it. And as long as I, I think we're not motivated out of shame or guilt for things that we haven't individually done, that will help us um, take action collectively to solve these problems that we're facing that are real. Um, and and educate ourselves that's a big thing for me is this year I've been really striving to educate myself on a better uh, balanced perspective of history that I wasn't necessarily taught growing up and and I'm about to finish Uncle Tom's Cabin which is you know written in the late 1800s all about the state of affairs in America at that point and the slavery and the experience of it that was very um, it's incredibly sad incredibly humbling and eye-opening and you know I 'm not above that, meaning if I lived in that time, if I was a part of that culture, I probably would have been in the same place uh, and we are all products of the culture around us, and I'm not above that uh, and and i w- I wish I could say I was um, but but my goal is to fight for being above that for sure and and we all have a choice to not let culture dictate who we are but but choose it for ourselves, going back to the choice that you've been talking about
0: and I know you and I could probably talk the legs of a donkey in terms of talk for probably for hours so my penultimate question i like to ask all my guests is if you got to sit down with any athlete dead or alive who would that be and why it's
1: a good question i would say Hmm. There's so many. Gosh, that's a tough one to sit down with. But I think, I think, um, yeah, I think when I think about athletes, I think about mainstream and I think about like secondary uh tier or more like extreme athletes. Um, I'm really fascinated by, uh, the extreme athletes because they usually perform in a space that, uh, mistakes cost them their lives. <laughs> um, there's a great book, The Rise of Superman by Stephen Kotler on that on flow. Uh, so the mainstream answer would probably be Tiger Woods, just because I'd really be curious, just the holistic approach, not only sports, but also in life and um, what he's learned on his journey and, and through the mistakes he's made and the changes in his person and the pressures he's felt and everything that goes into that. I think in a non-traditional sense, I'm going to cheat and give you two answers. Um, in a non-traditional sense, I would really like to sit down and talk with um, this guy, Travis Rice, who's arguably the best snowboarder on the planet. Um, this guy has done some of the most, you know, insane, death-defying um, things on a snowboard. And it'd be fun just to um, get into his mind state and process of flow that um, enables him to do some of these incredible things. And that'd just be a blast to talk about.
0: And my final question before we wrap up the episode, if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Mm.
1: Every day you have a choice and that choice determines how you're going to live by taking ownership and never settling We're able to live lives that matter, not only for ourselves, but for those around us and the world at large.
0: So once again, Thane, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete podcast.
1: Thanks, James. This has been
0: a lot of fun. It's been my absolute pleasure. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and do let Thane and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at Thane Marcus. So that's T h-a-n-e-m-a-r-c-u-s and at the usual at james o roberts 11 and again i'll spell out for you that's j-a-m-e-s the letter o -O r-o-b-e-r-t-s and the number 11 And again, you can do the same on Twitter and Facebook. And in addition, if you had any follow-up questions, don't hesitate to shoot them over as well. And finally, don't forget to check out Thane's website, thanemarkers.com. So that's T-H-A-N-E-M-A-R-C-U-S.com. And as always, don't forget to check out my free content at fitamputee.com. Dot UK and click on the tab Resources. But not forgetting, I've also started a new Facebook group, especially for the podcast, which you can find by typing in the Mindset Athlete. All the links will be in the description. You can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipsin.com under the category General. So once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast.